Take your Bibles with me, and tonight we're looking at living with difficult people. Okay, living with difficult people. I know you don't have that problem. Praise the Lord. Wouldn't it be terrible to have to live with a difficult person? It would be tough. I'm thankful I do not have that problem. Amen. They say if if you're not the if you can't see a problem, you ever heard that before? Have you ever heard the saying that if there's no sanity and if there's no insanity in your family, you're the insanity? <laughs> okay. So I don't see any difficult people in my family. So I'm the difficult person, right? That's what that's the saying. Anyways, Exodus. Exodus chapter 5 and verse 1. Exodus chapter 5 and verse 1. So we're all going to have to deal with difficult people from time to time. And we see that here in the life of Moses. And God sent him to Pharaoh with a message. And Moses was very faithful to deliver that message and to see it through. We see Moses modeling proper behavior while dealing with an antagonistic enemy. And, of course, Pharaoh was only the face, right? Really, he was facing Satan. Satan was behind it. And uh, Satan definitely didn't want God's plan to advance. He didn't want the children of Israel to be freed, that God's promises could be kept. So uh, we know that ultimately he was the one uh, doing that. Now, you know, it's ironic, I think it's ironic that 40 years before, remember we, last week we talked about how God humbled Moses in the wilderness and he was, became a very meek person. Again, I find it ironic that 40 years before, uh, he, was, he was confronted with a difficult person, uh, the taskmaster that was beaten up or was abusing the Israelite slave. And how did Moses deal with that? Well, he killed him. (laughs) And that was his way of dealing with a difficult person. Well, now he's changed. Now he's not going to do that. Number one, he's not in the position to do that. He's going to deal with Pharaoh, and that's not an option, taking the life of Pharaoh in his hands. But we're going to see how that all through it, Moses, all through the the time that he was confronting Pharaoh, he kept his composure. And he stayed true uh, to the word of God. And so again, we see this man has changed and how he's dealing with uh, different things in his life. He's not the same Moses that was before. And God's using him in a great way. And he didn't quit, he didn't give up, but he stayed faithful. Let me ask you this question tonight. How do you respond when someone is confronting you about what you believe about the Bible? How do you, do, how do you, how do you deal with that? When somebody's saying to you, I don't agree with this, I think this is wrong, especially if it's coming from, uh, you know, a, a Christian how do you respond? Do we? And because that, that can be a conflict, can it? If we're not careful. And you know, I don't think the Lord would have us to get all mad and name calling and speaking evil. That's not what the Bible teaches in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 4, 29 
The 32 says don't be angry. All right, let's don't be speaking things that could cause uh, hard feelings and bitterness. Rather, we're to be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Of course, because we have been forgiven through the cross of Christ. That's important when we're dealing with difficult people because we don't want to lose our testimony. We don't want to lose that testimony that we have that we can, uh, you know, we may not win the argument. But later down the road, <laughs> we may win someone to Christ. Amen. Or we may win someone to our side who was not believing what was right because we could keep our composure. Tonight I have three responses that came from this confrontation. Three responses that came from this confrontation. Number one, the appeal of Moses. Moses, his response was to go to Pharaoh and to make his appeal. And he came, Moses became an ambassador, right? He became a representative of God. God gave the Moses the message. He said, go to Pharaoh. Notice it says chapter five, let's go here. And notice it says in verse 1, And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go. That was God's message to them, wasn't it? That was what God wanted him to say. He just repeated the message that God had given to him. And he was faithful to do that. So letter A, he spoke for God. He spoke for God. He spoke on behalf of God. And that made him an ambassador. Do you know that we are ambassadors of Christ? Amen. And we speak for Christ when we speak the word of God. We speak on his behalf. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. He said, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. So when we speak the word of God and we are speaking on behalf of him, we are his ambassadors. And of course, I don't know what Moses was expecting. I would think Moses was probably expecting a pretty firm no. <laughs> or maybe the hope, maybe hoping it would be a yes or, you know, I don't know, the Bible doesn't say but that wasn't his responsibility, was it? His responsibility was not what the, re, what the response would be. His responsibility was to give the message. Yeah. And the message was, let my people go. And like Moses, we are to speak on behalf of our God when we are called upon to give in a defense of the gospel that we believe. Yeah. And what are we to say? You know, are we to try to say, well, I'm going to say something to hopefully win them over? Am I going to say something that will uh, maybe, uh, that they will like me? No. We are to speak the word of God. Yeah. You see, you know, when you're dealing with a difficult person, a lot of times you want to, you know, we try to say, what can I say that will just, you know, Keep it from getting out of control, right? You want to just contain this thing. And you want to say something, hopefully, that there won't be a confrontation. But the thing, when you're dealing with a difficult person, the only thing you can control is yourself. You can't control. And you give them the truth. You can't control how they're going to react. 
That's out of our control. And we're not responsible for that. All we're responsible for is to say is to give them the word of God. And then, you know, we gotta let what happens happens, trusting God that his grace is sufficient. And but sometimes we think, well, I'll try to control the situation. Well, Moses, he was not in control. All he could say was, thus saith the Lord, and that's what he did. And and of course, we'll see how Pharaoh responded. But who's in control? God is, isn't he? God's in control. And he's going to bring it about his end according to his plan. And that's something we have to remember, don't we? Uh, when we deal with some, somebody that could be explosive or somebody who's going to cause a confrontation, uh, we got to realize their response is not in our control. We can't control that. Uh, why should we speak the word of God? Why is it so important to speak his word, to be truth? Well, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, my word shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the word of God is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. 2 Timothy 1, verse 13, hold fast the form of sound words. What's that word sound mean in that passage? It means something that is healthy, well, uncorrupted, because it's inspired by God. You see, you can't go wrong when you speak the words of God. All right, because those are the words that will not return void. They are quick and powerful, more powerful than anything that we could say from our comprehension, and also they are sound words. They are inspired by God. So he spoke for God. Letter B, we see here, he spoke for God's people. So not only is he up there on behalf of God, but notice in chapter 5, verse 1, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. So he's speaking on behalf of Israel. He's speaking on behalf of this people. God has called him to be an ambassador, but yet he now has been put into place to speak on behalf of a people who's been downtrodden and abused for all these years. And he's speaking on their behalf uh, for them. And that's important. You know, in our walk with the Lord, will always run across people who will need help. We'll always run across somebody who needs help. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14 describes those who need help as the unruly. The unruly, they need help. The feeble-minded, the weak. What are we to do for the unruly? We're to warn them. Warn the unruly. We're to comfort the feeble-minded, and we're to support the weak and be patient unto all men. So we're to have a compassion. Like Moses, he had compassion for Israel. He had compassion for those people. And speaking on their behalf, we can have that same compassion. I don't know if you ever heard of a missionary named Amy Carmichael. Amy Carmichael was, uh, was in Northern Ireland serving the Lord, and she had a desire to help uh, uh, women who had been abused. Well, God called her down to, uh, to sorry, not Africa, India, thank you. And uh, she moved there, and she was working with some godly missionaries. And one day, her ministry changed. She was, uh, she was approached by a young girl. 
Now, this young girl had been, and it's hard for us to comprehend this culture because it's so foreign to us. But this young girl uh, was involved in a kind of a practice that happens in India. And they say it's still going on today, even though in some parts of India it's outlawed. But it still happens. But this girl had been sold by her family uh, to be a temple servant. And, well, that meant she was probably going to be abused and become a prostitute. Now, we can't understand that. That's totally against our culture. And, you know, for even to think about that. But that's what happened there. And she came run, she found uh, Amy and asked for help. And she had compassion on that girl. And she helped that girl and helped her to, to get out of that system and helped her to, and she got, was saved and born again and changed her life. And that changed her life because she then after that began to help thousands of girls from that life. Why? Because she had a compassion. She had a compassion for those people. And you know, who's God given you a compassion for? I'm sure there's somebody in your life, somebody around you, you have a compassion for. You want to either see them saved or maybe you want to help them in some way or another. But we have a compassion. And uh, we can work on that compassion. And on behalf of them, we can speak for God, speak for them uh, and go take their name to the throne of grace in prayer. And we can speak in their behalf. Point number two we see here, we see the, the arrogance of Pharaoh. So here we have Moses. He wants to help these people. He's got a message from God. He's delivered this message. But notice here we see the response. In verse two it says, And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? that I should obey his voice to let Israel go. I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. So the answer is no, a hard no, definite no. I'm not going to do that. Where do we see this? We see that this is a man full of pride. Who is the Lord? (laughs) And why should I obey him? And we see a man who's stubborn, No, I'm not going to let them go. We see here in verse 3, And they said, The Lord God God of the Hebrews hath met with us. This is Moses. Let us go, we pray thee, three days journey into the desert, and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works get you unto your burdens? So here's a stubborn man. He's a prideful man, and he's a stubborn man. And we see that. So letter A, in your outline, we see he was motivated by pride. Motivated by pride. What is pride? How would you define pride? Well, pride is defined as this, a feeling that you are more important than other people. That's pride. That's one definition of pride. Now, there are three symptoms of pride in a person's life. There's contention, people that like contention. Uh, There's also foolish speaking, foolish speaking. And there's also strife. So contention, foolish speaking, and strife. And that's what we see here. Pride is damaging 
is a damaging sin because it harms revivals, marriages, and nations because we refuse to humble. Humble. And pride can destroy. It can just, it's a sin. Pride is a deceptive sin. Not only is it a damaging sin, but it's a deceptive sin. Why? Because people who are proud sometimes think they're humble. So, do you think you're proud? No! (laughs) Are we deceived? (laughs) That's a good question, isn't it, sometimes? When God was speaking to us, asking us to humble ourselves, we need to ask ourselves, am I proud? When it comes to this matter, this subject, am I proud or have I humbled myself? Have I repented of my sin? And that can happen. See, that's why it's so deceptive. And we see that here. Now, pride is not a healthy sense of respect. Someone will say, I take pride in my work. Well, you know, now we're talking about a different thing, aren't we? We're talking about something that we want to do right. And we want to, if we're serving the Lord, which is everything we do, really, the Bible tells us, then we want to do it right. Why? Because one day we'll stand before the Lord and hear, "Well well done, thou good and faithful servant. So we want to hear that. So we're not talking about that. So let's don't confuse that. We're not talking about being, uh, you know, doing things right, having pride in our work or self-respect, but, uh, you know, let's, let's show a proper pride, but let's be aware of the sin of pride. There was an older couple sitting by the fire. There was an older couple sitting by the fire and the husband was feeling kind of sentimental. And his wife was sitting across from him in front of the fire. And he leaned over and said, Honey, I'm proud of you. Well, the problem was she was getting a little hard of hearing. And she didn't, wasn't wearing her ear and hearing aids. And so she said, What? <laughs> a little bit louder. Honey. I am proud of you. Well, she still couldn't hear him or understand him. She knew he was talking, but she couldn't. And she said, what? I can't understand you. And he was as loud as, you know, almost yelling, I am proud of you. And she turned to him and said, I'm tired of you too. Well, Moses was going to come back, and I think Pharaoh was going to get tired of them because they had a message, and there was a, they were there to give that message to, of, from God. And that leads us to letter B. Uh, he, uh, right, instead of prejudice, right in stubbornness, he was stubborn. He was motivated by stubbornness. Uh, turn with me to Exodus chapter 8, verse 25. Exodus chapter 8. In verse 25, we kind of get an illustration of this stubborn nature of Pharaoh. 
And I see here, and Pharaoh called for, and now you gotta realize, you know, various plagues have come on the scene. And uh, God is showing his power. And Pharaoh uh, is hardening his heart. But he knows he's gotta do something. So, he's, so we're gonna find here, he's gonna offer a compromise. So verse 25, And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not meat so to do. So, uh, you know, they want to go away out of Egypt to sacrifice. But Pharaoh is saying, Do it here. Don't leave. We shall sacrifice the abominations of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, and they will, and they will, uh, and will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord your God as He shall command us, or He has He shall command us. And Pharaoh said, "I will let you go that ye may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only ye shall not go very far away and treat for me." So the next compromise is, well, you can go in the desert, but don't go very far. Keep close by. And Moses said, Behold, I go out from thee and will entreat before entreat the Lord that the swarm of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people tomorrow. Let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully anymore in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses went out from Pharaoh and treated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the words of Moses, and he removed the swarm of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people, there remained not one. And Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also, neither would he let the people go. So he's very stubborn. He is not going to follow through on his promises as he does many times. And he even offers Moses some compromise. But one thing you got to like about Moses is that he did not compromise. He stayed faithful. And he would not compromise with Pharaoh and he would not. So sometimes when we do encounter confrontation, conflict, uh, stubbornness, people who are stubborn, but we have to be careful, let's don't compromise our beliefs. Let's don't compromise what we believe. And you know, I'll be honest with you, that's not easy to do. It's not easy. You, you would think it would be, wouldn't you? Standing here behind this pulpit, I could, I'm so strong. <laughs> but you know what? Faced with a conflict, I'm tempted. I'm tempted. And and sometimes I have. I've I've <laughs> I'm not here standing as a poster boy for uh you know, I've made my mistakes and and regretted them. So I know it's not easy. I give Moses a lot of credit. Give him a lot of credit. He stood and would not compromise. And, be, and he was very faithful uh, for that. And he is a, he's definitely a great encouragement to us uh, for that. And he's a good example to follow. Because when we deal with conflict, sometimes we want to compromise. But when it comes to the things of God and to what the Bible says and our beliefs, we need to stay true, stay faithful to what we do believe. And number three, the third point here is the anger of God. The anger of God. 
Because of Pharaoh's pride and stubbornness, he brought the wrath of God upon himself and his nation. God was giving him chance after chance. Even those plagues that he received, the nation, they were, that was actually God's grace trying to turn his heart to repent and to let those people go. But he refused that over and over, and every time he hardened his heart against that to where God had to bring judgment, which God told Moses right from the beginning that was going to happen. He told Moses right at the beginning, he says, I am going to take his son's life. And that's what happened. So letter A, what do we see? We see the judgment was decreed. The judgment was decreed. God was long-suffering with Pharaoh. Let's turn to chapter 11 and verse 1. Chapter 11 and verse 1. Here is the last plague, the Passover, the death of the firstborn. And Moses, rather, and the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt, Afterwards, he will let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. So here is the, here is the message. Speak now in the ears of the people and let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants in the sight of the people. So through this whole thing, Pharaoh, he's hardening his heart and he's losing favor of his own people while Moses, standing for the truth, doing what is right, he's being elevated and he's receiving the respect. Verse four, and Moses said, thus saith the Lord, about midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maid servant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beast. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall it be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue, neither man or beast, that he may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. So here's the decree. God is going to bring about this last plague because of his stubbornness, because of his pride, and he's bringing it on his nation. And you know, it makes me think about people today who hear the gospel. They hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know, they scorn salvation, don't they? They won't receive it. And they scorn it. And when they do, they have to live with those results. Because that's, because that's the results. Like Pharaoh, who refused to repent, he, you know, he received the judgment, the wrath of God upon him. And, uh, and so the great nation was in sorrow. So they scorned it. And many people who scorn salvation, they, they face the wrath of God in their life. And it's sad, but that's true. Notice it says in verse 9, And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. 
And Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go out of his own, out of his land. So he had to pay the, the, the wrath of God because of that. But you know, praise the Lord for those people that do hear the word of God and receive it, right? And they are saved. You know, Israel, when Moses, he, he got up and he told the children of Israel, go and get a lamb. Sacrifice the lamb. Take the blood. Put the blood on the doorpost. And then gather together. And at midnight, be in your homes under the blood. And the death angel will pass over you. The, the Lord will pass over. And you'll not experience the wrath of God. And praise the Lord for those who hear the gospel and receive it, that don't scorn it, they accept it, they are spared the wrath. They will not face that wrath in their life and even after life. Uh, you know, uh, we will not see that. So that's the faith. And the children of Israel acted in faith to obey. And when we are saved, we act in faith according to the word of God. So judgment was decreed. We see here judgment was delivered. It was delivered to the people. The judgment of God brought two different responses from Egypt. The judgment of God upon them. The cries of anguish from those parents. The cries of anguish. The people cried. It was like a cry, it said, that was never heard in the land before. Just a bitter cry. And you can imagine uh, what that would have been like. But you know what? There was another response. The kindness of the Egyptians to God's people. We see that. Turn with me to chapter 12. And notice it says, uh, look here in verse 29. In verse 31, we see here, And he called for Moses and Aaron that by night, this is after the death of the firstborn, and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as ye have said. Also take your flocks and your herds as ye have said, and be gone and bless me also. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We be all dead men. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed from the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the, and the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians." So not only did the people have this bitter cry and this anguish, but also God put in their hearts to be kind to the, to the Israelites when they left and when they were free. It's kind of like God was compensating, all right, for their slavery, for all those years in slavery. God was compensating for that. And uh, for, so what does that teach us? You know, Israel, uh, they could have been very bitter for all those years of slavery. I mean, even though they were going free, they could have been very bitter. 
But what they, but what we hear, what we see in the New Testament is in Romans chapter twelve, verse nineteen says this: "Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place under wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine; I will repay," saith the Lord. And sometimes that's something we need to remember in dealing with conflict. It's very easy to become bitter and become very vengeful. And what we have to do is remember that that's not our place. That's God's place. And God will repay accordingly, according to his wisdom and his power. And Israel, they, they let God repay. <laughs> and that's a lesson for us. Let's let the Lord repay. And let's let him do his work and believe in him that he will. When it, and that's what we see. When we're dealing with difficult people, sometimes we want to retaliate in some way. But that's where it's faith. Faith says, no, <laughs> I'm going to keep my testimony. I'm going to say the right things, honor the Lord, and let God take care of the rest. In conclusion tonight, obedience to the word of God will help us to overcome the trials and frustrations when dealing with difficult people. There was this boy and girl in their home in the kitchen, and they were arguing over the last brownie. And so they were saying who was going to get it. They were arguing about it, and, and mom came in and asked the children this question, what would Jesus do? And the boy spoke up, that's easy. Jesus would break the brownie in two and make 5,000 more. (laughs) When we find ourselves in conflict, it's best to be obedient to the word of God and to follow God's commands. And only God can change a person's heart. When we're dealing with conflict or difficult people, God can change the heart, and that's where we have to trust him. We can't change him. That's out of our control. Only God can do that. All we can do is be faithful and long-suffering. The Bible talks about that, being long-suffering. And that's not easy to do. That's hard. But we can be long-suffering and at the same time allow God to do His work in changing the heart. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Father, we thank You again. Bless our time here tonight as we go to prayer. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.